So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day, here's one from Jay Barshop. Pat and his guests share actionable and inspiring lessons on how to become a better investor and, more importantly, a better overall person. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to Real Estate Rockstars if you want the knowledge and mindsets to reach your overall business goals and achieve financial freedom as a result. Thank you, Jay Barshop. Five stars. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I have a great guest coming from San Antonio, Texas, Mr. Brad Larson on the line, who has made a massive living here, turning a real estate into real estate management. And we're going to talk about some things that haven't been talked about here before with how the single family homes have suddenly, not suddenly, but slowly and surely become such a respected asset class that there's a lot of potential. Uh, in rents and rentals and rental commissions and property management commissions and things like that, that may be overlooked and something that as agents we should start looking at. So if we're not already. So without further ado, Brad, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, why don't you give everybody a little rundown, Brad, who you are so they can get to know you better. Sure. So Pat, I'm a real estate broker and property manager here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we currently run a property management company of around 800 single family homes. And we've been doing this for just going on six years now. I've got 15 plus years of experience here in San Antonio, uh, all as a real estate broker since 2002, 2003. So all that experience has kind of led up to the fact of owning this management company and doing sales and property management as a, a staple of what we do here. That's awesome. Okay. So there's a lot of things I want to talk about today, but let's start off with something real timely. I read some articles lately in some financial press that's talking about how institutions are coming into the single family home game where in the past they've really stayed out. And by that, I mean, you know, hedge funds, uh, family offices, REITs, essentially where before they were only investing in multifamily apartment buildings. And the cap rates and the returns on these have dwindled uh, because of the competition and because, you know, so many people are out there syndicating, raising money. It's so easy to invest in real estate now as an asset class where before it was difficult, or I should say it's certainly more prevalent and easy to find and easy to do and lots of people talking about it on podcasts and the press and things like that. So it's out there in everyone's minds. And so now, suddenly, you have, creeping in here, you have these REITs and these hedge funds buying onesie twosies, 
right? Buying houses up and down the street you may actually live on and packaging them together. And I just wanted to get your opinion on this and see, you know, what can the market bear this? Is this dangerous? And usually I find it dangerous because if they decide to sell, they usually sell all at once. Then they create their own competition and then the prices get depressed. But I just wanted to get your opinion on it and get uh, see what you've seen and see if you think there's a lot more room for this or little room for this. Yeah, it's a great topic, Pat. One of the things that you can talk about right away is you're seeing American Homes for Rent come in and they're buying up homes under private money, hedge fund money, Wall Street money. It's basically they have free reign to get the money to buy homes as well. And what we're creating by that is sometimes over-purchasing. That's what we're seeing here in the market. So sometimes a home will come on the market and they over-purchase that home. So they overbuy it. So they're outbidding some of the regular residential buyers to get more of these homes under management. And then they're looking for different ways to manage them locally through boots on the ground, centralized management functions, and getting into a system to where they're building a big, big asset under management. And hopefully at the end game of that is they're either going to be bought out by big, bigger hedge fund money, Wall Street money, or they're going to continue to manage those to where they're doing better than apartment complexes like you're seeing. Because historically, I think apartment complexes are not going to appreciate like single family homes. And they also get that diversification of not having everything in one basket as you would get in an apartment complex in one particular region of a city. You have it spread across the region or even across the country with large syndications. That's the other thing that's becoming more prevalent is syndications into the single family home space. Uh, I think everybody kind of gets your audience understands what a syndication is. And we're seeing more of that into single family homes. That's a difficult challenge for realtors to be able to go buy 50 rental properties all at once. You think it'd be really easy, but it's often not. And so that's, you're going to see more of that uh, influx of money to where all of a sudden there's two or three or $4 million available in a syndication money and they're buying everything they can get their hands on in a certain price range demographic, creating a frenzy, a buyer's correction, a seller's market to where the buyers are having a very hard time getting in. We saw this last summer in the San Antonio region to where the buyers just had a horrible time getting anything under 200 K. I mean, it was, you would think that never happened in Texas, but it was last year and sometimes even part of this year, it was a, a, a seller's market and a buyer's was just, they were just getting beat up trying to get into anything they could. And that's part of the reason from these syndications coming in, private money coming in, putting into this, these funds, American Homes for Rent, for example, is another one, like I mentioned, putting money into their pockets to say, go out and buy a hundred homes at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And I think in the past, they haven't done it for two reasons. Number one, because, um, you know, if you have an apartment building, generally it's going to be a little easier to sell as one entity than a hundred houses. If you're a real estate agent and you go out there and, you know, list uh, some investor that happened to die and, 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 and die with a hundred homes, a uh, hundred houses all over, it's a pretty major pain in the ass to find somebody that's going to buy a hundred of them. Maybe not now. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Uh, and the second reason was the economy of scale, which is, you know, with an apartment building, you'd have a superintendent or a couple people right there working on, on pretty minimal salaries to, to fix things. When you've got houses all over the place, it takes them half an hour to get in between houses. You know, you've got more maintenances because you have 100 roofs now instead of one roof. You've got 100 air conditioners. Well, I guess you're going to have that in apartments, but 
But anyways, they stayed away from him because of that. And uh, so what are, what are the thought process there? Why do you think that suddenly, you know, all this stuff is okay? We, they, they can figure it out and, and make the numbers work now where before they couldn't. Yeah, it's definitely a part of the management function because technology is taking over. So let's kind of talk through the life cycle of a leasing system. And I can tell you where technology is playing in. So first, you have leasing functions, voice over IP phones. You can answer the phones anywhere in the world from now on. So before you used to have you know, a centralized office locally, five, 10 miles away. Now you can answer phones wherever. We use virtual assistants in Mexico that answer our frontline phones. And that works out tremendously because of the voice over IP. Then you have lock spot, the, the lockbox issues, right? How do you give somebody access to a home via lockbox? Well, things of very good technology-wise have come prevalent like Tenant Turner. Tenant Turner is a good one that we use to where we can show homes vacant homes unaccompanied. And this is becoming more and more of a trend in real estate sales and in management. Okay, spell that out. TenantTurner.com? TenantTurner.com. And and explain what it is. So it's essentially a system to where you can approve unaccompanied vacant home showings. And so clearly the home has to be vacant, number one. The prospective applicant slash buyer, if you would, is going to submit information, name, phone number, email, and potentially even send over a copy of their driver's license like you would do a test drive for a vehicle. Yeah, send a absolutely. picture of your driver's license. Somebody on the other end is going to press that button or you can automate it completely to where it completely runs without anybody looking at it. But the smart thing to do, in my opinion, is to have somebody say, yes, that is a actual driver's license, not a nude selfie, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you give them the okay to get in. They get into the home unaccompanied and visit and then give you feedback again to a call center that potentially is out of state and everything's done at a central region. So that's just the beginning of the life cycle. So then they apply then, for the home. Go, and then does it take it to the next step? Do you want to write a lease on this? And then the call Absolutely. center writes the lease and everything? Absolutely. They can apply for the home from a distance all online. They can put money like a security deposit or earnest money. If you're working with a buyer, they can do that electronically via wire. Yeah. You sign the lease agreement via DocuSign. Everybody's heard of DocuSign to this point. So the whole leasing cycle has become to the point where you don't ever have to step foot into an office anywhere. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been eBooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text Toolbox to 444-999. That's Toolbox to 444-999. So what what has that done to the to, to the profit margin there? I mean, it's a loaded question, but what like what how do you you, you know how much does that cost compared to maybe what it used to cost to have a human being do it rather than a robot or someone in Mexico? Well, to answer your question there, it's being done. 
So 10 years ago, it was not. So clearly the guys that may be smarter than you and I at a large scale managing 20, 30, 40,000 homes, they're bringing those systems into play to where it works out for their profit margins. So clearly it's getting done to where it's a grand scale. So they're going linear. I mean, you're, you're, do the economies of scale are growing so big that now it makes sense for the profit margin, the bottom line. Wow. I love it. And it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, the whole world eventually is going to be minimized our workforce by robots and it's just the beginning of it or robots and outsourced and I mean, one of, the other things, Pat, is, is yeah, one of the other things, Pat, too, I forgot to mention is in that life cycle of leasing we're talking about, the lockboxes have become smart enough to where you can do these types of things from a distance. We're not, they're not dumb mechanical lockboxes that we're using. We're using sophisticated automated lockboxes that have resources to them to where you can get a rotating code. I mean, Codebox is one that we use. There's several others out there. through Codebox? Codebox is one. Rentley has their own lockboxes. That's Rentley.com. Yes. Uh, those types of new technologies are bringing their own lockboxes to play to where five years ago you couldn't. You wouldn't, you wouldn't leave a mechanical lockbox on a door and give out one code, one, two, three, four, and now everybody and their brother has that code. You just didn't have a secure enough presence to do that. So do you see a potential disruption of the, of the rental commission? A lot of agents, and a lot, a lot of our listeners are real estate agents, charge one month's rent, maybe, you know, six, seven percent of, a, of a, a year's lease, whatever they charge, right? It's all negotiable. But do you see a disruption of that? Because suddenly you don't need this person, right? You got the lockbox, you got this DocuSign, you know, you could even have a robot that follows down because I, I know this because I'm doing things with Rebus University with robots that follow certain directions. Do you want to sign the lease? Yes. What is your address? Yes. Bop, 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 and then it shoots you out the lease. Um, do you see the cost of doing this becoming a non-issue so that the real estate commissions will be disrupted? And the second question is, does the person in Mexico have to be licensed with the state of Texas as a real estate broker, a real estate license? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So the Mexican virtual assistants, no, they don't have to be licensed because they're answering the phones. They're not doing the actual lease agreements. That's being drafted in-house by a licensed realtor. So we're meeting all laws in-house so for us. So you're doing that or, or by a lawyer, right? You're doing that ahead of time. Correct. But who's filling in the blank? We have a licensed realtor here in our office that does that. But that's, that's our scale. We're talking, you know, what if it was a call center in some other state? You know, that's where it gets a little weird on yeah, I'm wondering, a grand do they scale. have to be licensed? You know yeah, it I mean? brings, like a, it brings up some very good licensing gymnastics that you have to jump through to figure out who's going to do what and who's blessing off on what. Uh, and then it's very gray. So to get away from that, let's talk about the disruptors because where I see this being a disruptor is transferring all this technology into what Airbnb is now doing, mm, all the, yeah, the vacation rentals, because the technology that we just, we even haven't even touched on, let's talk about the smart lockboxes tied into uh, Wi-Fi. So now you can open doors from a distance without ever having to be there and you can set the code to go open up on a Friday afternoon and the code is now dysfunctional Sunday morning at 11 at checkout time. So disruptors, as we talk about in real estate industry, and again, I've been a broker since 2003. So I've you know done a lot of sales and all that good stuff prior to getting into management. I think that's going to disrupt the industry because more and more people may be turning towards a vacation rental type situation instead of selling because they may want to one, come back to the home in a year or two, or come visit once a year just to come visit. 
So I, the technology now with nesting, you know, the nest, uh, you got those smart peepholes. Yeah. I mean, you got the cameras and video, video cameras, you mean? Exactly. So those things are allowing people to gain a little bit more confidence in leaving their home instead of selling it and instead of renting it. So we're looking at developing programs to where we can do commercial management with Airbnb. And commercial is a loose term with them because you can't do commercial management at Airbnb. They're not going to allow a corporation to sign up. But what you can do is run Wait, it as a Stop company. right there. Why not? They don't allow corporations to sign up with Airbnb. So it'd have to run under Pat Hyben or Brad Larson. It okay, so you're talking under- about it, you mean it has to be a person's name. Correct. Correct. So it'd have to be one of our names to run because into. Because they really do want it to be an experience, a bed and breakfast. Right. They, they, they coined the term hosting. Like- right. Exactly. They, they want you to take selfies. And it's the hosting thing. They call it hosting. And so that's the experience that they want. I, but I've heard of some people, and I, I don't know, I haven't verified this, but there was some talk of some people that have actually taken multifamily residences and turned them into Airbnbs. Is that, I'm just curious how they would have done that, or maybe they didn't. But um, yeah, I was just listening to a podcast the other day on Bigger Pockets, and they were talking about that. Those guys were talking to somebody who had taken a, an eightplex or a 16plex and done the numbers on it, and it be, because it was such a proximity to a lake or someplace in Michigan, I think it was, uh, they decided to go ahead and make it an Airbnb rental property versus a traditional for rent apartment type situation. And there is a lot of touches involved, okay? But don't let it scare you because one, you can charge more, and two, you can pretty much automate the whole life cycle of leasing into an Airbnb. You can charge a lot more. Exactly. A lot more. But I'm wondering and, how they're doing. I guess they're just putting all eight under somebody's name. Like I, I live in a beach town and I know some people down the street that are actually building an eight unit Key West style bed and breakfast uh, where they're going to actually live in the front and then have eight hotel rooms, call them, and a community pool. And then there's another guy in my neighborhood that's building Get this, this is funky. It's um, it's one lot, but he's building two houses that don't touch. In the middle, he's taking a pool, and he's putting dividers in the pool, so everybody that goes there will have one-fourth of the pool. I don't know what it's going to look like, but but you start seeing this creativity of this sort of stuff come up, and the money that they're going to be able to pull in from rent is so much more than if they just rent to somebody, you know, for a family or something for, you know, a monthly rent. So... Yeah, you really have to do the numbers in your area. So in our area, it doesn't make sense in some cases. But again, the owner may want to be coming back. Now, here's the thing I think your audience would like is listening to some of your podcasts and talking to, you know, or or listening to some of the guys that you have on, the gals you have on, they're really high producing sales agents. And we're talking hundreds of transactions a year. I personally think that in order to sell high-end properties, augmenting their service with an Airbnb management style system would allow them to keep these listings longer because you know as I well as well as I know that you get up into the higher end market half million million two million wherever you are if those homes sitting they're sitting vacant furnished with no activity they're just burning money but if they were to augment that with allowing maybe five or ten or fifteen nights a month to go to an Airbnb wouldn't that be a great point of difference for your listing agents to come up with to say, if we can't sell your home within 90 days or 60 days or whatever, we have the option to help turn it into an Airbnb system with you. You help us provide it, make sure it's fully furnished, all that good stuff. While you're selling it, 
We'll rent it out Airbnb for 10 or 15 nights a month. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I like that. I like that a lot because Airbnb is not only for lake houses and beach houses and, and downtown cities. I mean, it's really, the market is anywhere there's a hotel. So you could think of, it's hard to find a place nowadays that doesn't have some sort of hotel nearby. You know what I mean? So it's pretty much the market is anywhere. You could be anywhere and put it on Airbnb and you'll get hits. Exactly. Exactly. We, uh, we went to Breckenridge this summer and we rented an Airbnb property, got four families together and rented a monster home and it was fabulous. And that's what's out there in those high-end listings because those high-end listings, as you know, don't sell that quickly. And a lot of times the owners are feeling a pinch and that would be a good way again to differentiate themselves from the other listing agents is they may offer that service for free. They might do it at a discounted rate. I mean, there's ways that they could do that to where it offers a real value add to potential sellers. Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's good stuff. Okay, so what else do you see out there that uh, as agents listening that uh, what are some other ways or things we need to be thinking about to add income to our our bottom line in the future? Like, I, I guess one is starting a property management department, right? I think starting a property management division in any brokerage is a smart idea because if nothing else, it can be done at a high level, at least enough to keep those listings in a holding pen. Now, other markets out there that could be listening and say, I sell everything in six days, it doesn't matter. But for the rest of us, it may not happen that quickly where properties don't sell. I mean, look at the time of year we are in. You know, it's, it's fourth quarter in 17. The market is dwindling because we're going into the winter months. And if you don't have a means to potentially offer that seller another option, you're not doing your ethical duty. Would you at least agree with me there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all tied into what we had just said, all the things we just said, the profit mark before, you know, I can tell you personally, I never really wanted to do a property management company because it was labor intensive. It, it, it was arduous and you didn't make enough green, right? There wasn't enough fat in it. Uh, the juice didn't work to squeeze as a friend of mine says, well, now, you know, you can cut the cost down so much that there, you, there is a lot of profit, especially if you're doing some of these Airbnbs and vacation rentals. What kind of commissions are you seeing charged uh, on the rental, uh, rental side for vacation rentals? It's not just a traditional 5 to 10% anymore, right? No, we've seen anywhere from 20 to 35% being charged. Now, granted, you got to figure out 
how many vacancies you're going to have per month. You might only rent that particular home or, or room for 15 to 20 days through that month. There is some labor that goes along with that that's going to cut into it. But the regular management and the Airbnb also tie together because that's going to be another income stream for any brokerage that they wanted to add another business. Uh, it can be done at a decent profit margin to make 20%, 25% or more profit margin if done well. And that's going to also be nearly recession proof. So if the business goes, the sales go into a little bit of a flux, the management will at least cover the overhead of any well-run business. And that can be a holding pen for listings. So if the listings aren't selling in your market in good time, give those owners another option. Say, you know what? It didn't sell in 90 days or six months. Let's put it into the rental market, revisit this in two or three years, and then make a decision from there if you want to sell it at that point. Or they may keep it long-term because property management done right is a tremendous business to get into, highly profitable, and it can be done very well to where it runs itself. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think the key with this is, especially when you're dealing with the going back to the vacation rentals and that sort of thing is, as investors ourselves, if you want, you know, and I assume people listening to this are thinking, hmm, you know, maybe I want to buy a couple and, and rent them out uh, one way or the other, traditional or Airbnb. But the key is balance. I think what scares me a little bit about the Airbnb model, and I think personally I would only do a couple, is, is, is something changes, right? If the hotel unions, you know, get the laws changed or the cities changed, which has happened in Nashville and Charleston, South Carolina, and some other places where the cities have got in and started enforcing these fines of $1,000 a day uh, for illegal Airbnbs uh, that aren't complying. And sometimes the compliance are, you got to rent it for X amount of time or whatever. You're forced to do a long-term rental. And if you have five flat screen TVs and a really nice couch and a, you know, furniture and, and all that fancy stuff in there, you're screwed, right? You're selling that stuff for 10 cents on a dollar uh, to make it a traditional rental. So there's, there's risk involved guys as well. So it's very interesting. All this stuff has been incredibly interesting, Brad. So uh, as you know, everyone that comes on the show uh, donates something to the agent toolbox. And one of the things you talked about that you said you'd be uh, more than willing to donate is a, a preloaded Excel spreadsheet with metrics built in that are going to tell us what? Tell, me what? tell me what if someone takes this Excel spreadsheet that you're giving for free and they load in some numbers, what's it going to tell them? That's a custom-built spreadsheet that we've been using for over two-plus years, and we constantly nurse it and change it. And we've narrowed it down to five particular metrics that we track as a property management company. And a lot of that's coming from the book, 40-Hour Work Year. Scott Fritz wrote this book, and he had a high-level running PEO company, like a payroll company. And he teaches in that book to come up with five or six metrics that your company should be looking at on a regular basis, and that can give you a quick snapshot of how, the, how healthy that business is. And so that spreadsheet highlights those along with 50 other different metrics that can be tracked in there, and that will help somebody decide if they want to get into the management system a little bit further and do that to where they can run it at a high level. I think that's going to help them. That's awesome. I can't wait to check that out and use it myself. So that will be on hybendigital.com backslash Brad Larson, and it's L-A-R-S-E-N, Brad Larson. Brad, listen, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. If I'm ever in San Antonio, we'll get together and we'll break some bread. Absolutely. Thanks for having me out, Pat. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. 
I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.